ladies and gentlemen, my name is Justin Perkins, this is Talk Junkie, and today we're going to talk about something uh, that's been pretty near and dear to my heart uh, for quite a few years, even though I've drastically changed the way I feel about it. Um, We're going to do this one in a couple of parts. Um, The first part, I'm going to explain how I feel about these things, how I felt about these things when I was younger. And how I grew to feel about them. And then, in the next part, we're going to discuss them in depth. Uh, so what we're going to talk about uh, is a, 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 a group of things that we're going to put in one collective group. Um, we're going to talk about, oh, excuse me, uh, ghosts and UFOs and mainly how those things and other things relate to conspiracy theories. Uh, was born in 1982 in eastern Kentucky, and I was very much a, a very imaginative kid, spent a ton of time outside, uh, had a great imagination, uh, played pretend a lot. Um, when I was young, very early on, I developed a, uh, a fascination with uh, ghost stories and things of that nature. And not over the top, but a a mild interest in science fiction, uh, you know, science fiction movies and, and things of that nature. I remember very early on uh, a fascination with Halloween, and not as much uh, scary movies and things of that nature on TV, but ghost stories and, and local ghost stories and local haunted houses and things of that nature. I was always looking for a place that was haunted or something like that. Um, one of my fondest memories of school prior, uh, you know, up till like fifth grade was in fourth grade on Halloween, uh, everyone telling some ghost stories and, and things of that nature in, uh, in our classroom in fourth grade. And I remember a girl named Jennifer Hammonds who went to school with us who told a really interesting ghost story that I can't remember the actual story, but I remember being really fascinated with the story that she told. And that was the year, I remember it very distinctly, that my habits in the library changed. From that point on, from fourth grade until I graduated grade school in eighth grade, we didn't have middle schools uh, in Eastern Kentucky when I was younger. You went K through eight and then freshman through senior at, at, at the high school. Uh, but from fourth until eighth grade, I pretty well kept the same uh, trend. Every single time we went to the library and I was able to check out a book, I checked out either something about ghost, something about uh, aliens, or down the road, something about John F. Kennedy or uh, something of that nature, something interesting, something that I was looking for something outside the norm in. Um, Around that time, um, probably right in there, right around fourth, fifth grade, and I I would say fourth grade, I I got a Packard Bell 750 Legend uh, from my grandfather. My first computer had a printer, the roll-type paper, I don't remember exactly how the uh, word processing program or whatever was on it worked, but I do remember that. That's when I started making my own newspaper. Uh, I would write out three or four page newspaper. It come with a bunch of paper when I got this thing. He got it out of a pallet somewhere. It had no value to him, but it was the greatest thing in the world to me. And I used it uh, almost completely to play chess, um, basically a version of Karate Champ. 
uh, from any from the NES. It could be the same game. I don't remember what it was called. And to write uh, my my sometimes weekly, sometimes uh, bi-weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes four times in one week newspaper about the supernatural. Now, in writing that, I became very, very interested. Uh, I mean, this, it was all-consuming for me, which anybody that knew me as a young kid, or even my wife knows now, when I get into something, it does become all-consuming. The difference is now um, that fades away fairly quick, whereas when I was younger, things like that could last for years, months, days. It just depended. Now, as I started to write this um, th- this newspaper or whatever it was, something that nobody ever said, I'd print out copies of it and leave it laying in my grandfather's store. Around. I had to retell things that I would see in these books and, and uh, ghost sightings, the, the, the gray lady, things of that nature. And I would write little, uh, some, but I spent a lot of time, a whole lot of time, watching the night sky, looking for aliens, looking for spaceships. I was bound and determined that I would see one. And um, as a young person, believed on numerous occasions that I had seen one. Um, things that, looking back, I very easily could explain, but at the time, I didn't want to explain. I wanted it to be something. I would often... Um, you know, ask about family stories. You know, we lived next to a place called Booger Hollow. Uh, actually, we'd call it Booger Holler. I don't know where you're from, but that's something very prevalent in eastern Kentucky is uh, Booger Branch, Booger Holler, Booger this, Booger that. Almost every county, actually, I, I believe every county close to me has one or more Booger Branch or Booger Holler. Booger Holler is very prevalent. Uh, Booger is simply the boogeyman or, uh, you know, something bad. That That's... What would happen, you know, back in late 30s, early 40s, and I'm sure it happened in other times. I'm just looking at the point when my grandfather was younger. Uh, there would be places that parents would not want kids to go after dark or, or to stray too far from home. That way they could get them in bed early, get them out working early in the morning. So they would say, well, you know, if you go by uh, such and such up here, the booger will get you. Or if you go by Booger Branch, the booger will get you. they get little kids, and they would use this boogeyman or booger to scare kids, and so um, we lived literally right at Booger Branch, so uh, or Booger Holler, even though it, there were no houses or anything like that in it. Um, it. Years later, led to the short story I wrote, "Beast of Booger Branch," and um, it it was a, an endlessly fascinating thing for me. I remember writing in my magazine about that, but the desire was to see ghosts and. And they constantly look for ghosts and, and look for things of that nature. And, you know, I, I didn't get, I think, a, you know, that can be common for kids. But a lot of kids will get that desire and it'll come in with horror movies and things. Like that. I didn't get the desire for horror movies. You know, I like things like Ghostbusters and things of that nature. But I, I didn't like the gory, awful, sad side of death and ghosts and things of that nature. I liked the inquisitive uh, happy-go-lucky alien side of it. And, you know, I, I, I was truly obsessed with this to a, a very large degree. I would say around 7th or 8th grade, 
I was spending a lot more time looking at the books. And, and when I had the time uh, to go to Al Sloyd's library or to go to Hyman Public Library, go to these places, I was finding books outside of the alien and ghost realm. I was finding books that, uh, upon reading, I would find that the story I knew of the th- of Thanksgiving and and the first Thanksgiving and, and all these were not true. Um, they they weren't even close, really, and and I learned that a lot of history um, that I was taught was not what history really was, and I don't know why, but to me that became the catalyst for uh, conspiracy theories and things of that nature. By fourteen. Uh, 13, 14, my music habits had changed. I was into things like Rage Against the Machines and, and, and things like that. And for whatever reason, uh, Rage Against the Machine in particular got me curious about a lot of conspiracy theories. Uh, things uh, like the murder of, of uh, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. Um, and and I become very inquisitive about that and, and very inquisitive about things like Roswell and things like the JFK assassination, things like the Bay of Pigs, uh, things that I felt the country and, and presidents and, and, and people in the know uh, were very secretive about and very misleading about. I become very interested in um, the CIA and the FBI and what they were hiding, and that uh, very soon came on to secret societies. Uh, and and I, I began a fascination with not wanting to be, but having an interest in things like uh, the Freemasons and the Illuminati and things of that nature. So, as a kid, and all the way up until uh, let's say sixteen, seventeen, um, I I had a real belief in again ghosts, aliens and conspiracy theories. Solid. No doubt in my mind, this is how I felt. Um, The first one to go, the first one to fall, um, was Ghost. I, uh, there was a friend I was very close with. Um, His grandmother died. I would stay at, uh, stay all night with him and they were living in the house that his grandmother had lived in and, and she had lived there up till she died and I, I'd been there around her I'd known her she'd worked at the school um, you know most of my life um, there were th- some weird things happened probably due to uh, things I shouldn't have been doing as a young adult uh, altering my mind but there were a few spooky little things that happened in, at that house um but one night, I was asleep in the living room. Um, they had a, f- a formal living room, you know, like everyone, or a lot of people had. We didn't, nobody ever really used. But I was asleep in there. Uh, the house was full of kids, as usual, and, and we were all hanging out. So I was about 16, 17. I'm not, I'm not sure when. Um, in my dream, this person's grandmother came to me and said, When you die, you die. There's heaven or hell. There's no in-between. Nobody's coming back to see you. And I woke up the next morning, and that dream was very 
clear in my mind. It still is now, over 20-some years later. It's very clear in my mind. And it made sense to me. I didn't believe that that was really that person coming to me. I believed it was my subconscious telling me what I knew scientifically, but didn't want to believe because I had an emotional attachment to it, that when you died, you were just dead. If there was somewhere you went after death, heaven or hell, then that's where you were, but there was no in-between. It is what it is. You're dead. And and there was no... And then I started to look at, at that objectively, and I have never seen anything that's ever made me question that or ever made me think twice about that that there is any possibility of, of ghosts or anything. I just don't believe it. Now, I will say there's people who I know really believe, and um, I just think most of them are mistaken. And I, don't. I have a friend. Um, I know him well enough to know that he believes wholeheartedly that he saw something that proves to him that it's true. And I know this guy enough to know that there has to be a good reason for him to believe that. Even though I don't believe it, even though I don't see it the way he sees it, even though to me it's not possible, because of how I know him, I give credit to his... And and there would be other people that if I knew that way, I would give credit to. For me, I know that it's not real. It's not true. And it would take actual physical proof for me to feel otherwise. Now... The aliens, uh, on the other hand, I stayed on that track for, for a while. Still, yet um, I was a huge X Files fan, and that could be some of the reason why my obsession with aliens lasted. I really wanted to believe. I mean, I even got to the point that before it was a cool in thing to do, and before it was all over. Discovery Channel, I believed in the Anunnaki, and I believed in ancient aliens, and I believed in, in, in their impact on ancient civilizations and on them building the pyramids, and I still to this day do not believe that the dating of the pyramids is correct or that we have any idea how they were built. I don't for a moment, and, and I do think there's something very odd about how uh, we've got pyramids all over the world, but at one point in time, I was definitely under the belief that it was because of aliens. I mean, that's just what it was. There was no no way around it. And I don't know. I, I, I've even seen a couple things in the sky, uh, two things in particular, and, and my wife has saw one, that are very, very hard to explain. But I understand, uh, due to a lot of research, how hard it would be to even start to understand the complexity of uh, the technology we have hid. If you look at how long we had uh, the Blackbird, R-71 Blackbird, or the Stealth Bomber before we knew about them as a public, and how impressive they still are to this day, uh, it's, it's very easy to understand that they've got things we don't know anything about. I would say it was probably by, it's hard to put a number on, but if we're going to put a number on, let's say 25, my mid-20s, that just even the notion that 
um, aliens had visited us or that we were even here or that they were ever even here um, just went completely out. And you're, you know, um, I, I, Roswell is, is fairly well explainable. A, a lot of this is, is government cover-up and a lot of it is a paranoid public and a lot of it is the desire, man. Would it not be so great if that were true? I mean, our science fiction is filled with it. Our movies, our, our comics, our cartoons, our stories, everything is filled with it. And and so it becomes a compulsive part of human nature. But I don't believe that it's real or true. Um, not to say that I don't believe that there's intelligent life out there. Obviously, uh, the odds are pretty good. Uh, but they ain't stopping by and they ain't picking up Earl and his cow and uh, doing anal probes. I mean, it's odd that everything ends in an anal probe, isn't it? That's kind of odd. Um, but, you know, that's more of a Freudian thing. We could talk about that on a completely different podcast. So, what do we have left? Oh, we have conspiracy theories. Now, conspiracy theories I hung on to even longer. I mean, the secret societies, the skull and bones. Things like the Gulf of Tonka popping up and turning out to be real. Uh, there's a lot of things that that I don't know just were hard for me to... To, to give up or give in on. Um, the movie JFK, when it first came out, I really loved the movie JFK. Um, it was years later when, after it came out, when I was really researching the Kennedys. Because when I get obsessed with things like this, I do a lot of research, I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of digging, I do a lot of looking. And when I looked at factual statements and factual things as compared to the movie, I took the movie as being a uh, accurate historical representation of events. When, wow, I mean, I don't even know what that thing is, but accurate is nowhere on the list of words that you should use to describe it. Um, it is almost completely fantasy. Um, I mean, really, it has so many just made-up parts that even though no one ever sat me down and said, this is what really happened, for some reason it made me untrusting of things. And when I would look at things and look at possibilities, and as science has gotten better and, and it's been proven, yes, these shots could have been made. Yes, this, When it comes to JFK in particular, the JFK assassination, something's weird there. Was it a mafia hit? Probably have been a lot of things, but do I believe that? I don't know what I believe. It's one of those that I never could get a satisfying answer for. Were, were the government in on it? Was the industrial military complex in on it? Were the Cubans in on it? Most likely to me. I mean, probably, uh, you know, there are a lot of crime syndicates that wanted to see him die, dead. I mean, they could have embarrassed him publicly. To be such a hero, he'd done a lot of shady, bad things behind the scenes. So, I mean, it's a crazed gunman doing it could could very well justify it. I don't know. But that was something that slowly started to die off. Just because the thing about things in this realm that we're talking about the ghost and, and the UFOs and, and the 
the, the conspiracy theories is there's always one issue, and that's proof. And there's never really any proof. And the thing about conspiracy theories is they're supposed to be that way. Like they, they, that's part of keeping you involved in the conspiracy theory is, oh man, but that's what they do. They do this. like it. It's a continual screw job with your mind. You know. I mean, it's that's the ideal. That's the purpose in it. So I don't know. I, I, I never really, I never really. Um, put a lot of thought into them when I first got into them. I just enjoyed the fact that, that I knew something that other people didn't know, and I think that's one of the, the biggest appeals of, uh, of of these things is, hey, you'll know something that nobody else knows. You'll know something that other people aren't privy to. If you believe in these secret agendas and these secret societies and you believe in these conspiracy theories, you have a knowledge that other people don't have. And I'm very greedy when it comes to knowledge and that's very appealing and attractive to me. And plus, you know, uh, you can spend your weekends researching a, a conspiracy theory instead of being out doing something productive. And, and it's a little easier to do that. So, you, you know, um, I always thought at a young age, you know, in my early to mid-teens that somehow going through these books that everyone's seen a million times and reading these stories that everyone's read a million times and looking at these pictures everyone's looked at a million times and going through these diagrams that everyone's seen that eventually I would find something that no one else had found. I would find something special. I would make a discovery that would would just change everything. You know, um, I'm going to burst your bubble. I never... I never found those things. I never made those discoveries. That's that's kind of what I think keeps you chasing these um, conspiracy theories is there's never really a a reward. There's never really a payoff. And it's the exact opposite, actually. Usually, there's a... Uh, there's only... The pursuit. So, here I was, this wonderful strapping young man of, I don't know, however old you are in about fourth grade, and I get this obsession, this love of the paranormal, of ghosts and conspiracy theories and aliens. They really should not allow me to have buttons. I get this and fall in love with it. And I become totally engulfed in it, and uh, especially the conspiracy theories to a large degree. You know, the political conspiracy theories and, and what the government was up to. And you know, the sad thing is, there's probably some truth behind all those, and and that's part of the conspiracy is they they convince us that they're not real, and and they they use a, they use us against ourselves, and I don't know, but. Um, this is part one of conspiracies and paranormal. What we're going to do, um, at least in the next one, is we're going to look at some of the most popular conspiracy theories. Then, after that, we will see if we have enough stuff left to go in a different direction. I don't know. We're kind of just doing this as we go. Uh, like, subscribe, share. I haven't done that lately. Authorjperk at gmail.com is the email if you want to send mail. 
Jay Perkins is the YouTube page. Uh, I don't know you. You can find me. I'm out there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube's. Uh, and yeah. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, get back with us on part two. We're going to look at some aliens and all kinds of good things.